0: Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. This is episode number three in the seven-episode repost of the sermon series from 2012 called Touchy Issues out of the book of 1 Corinthians. This week, you're going to hear from Associate Pastor Lloyd Biddle as he walks through how do we engage and with and pursue holiness regardless of whether we're single or we're married. If listening to this sparks your interest at all, uh, looking into these topics more in depth, more resources about this are available on the Engage and Equip blog. You can find the link to it in the description below. Thanks for listening.
1: Um, Pastor Nick is with his daughter Abby in Guatemala uh, doing ministry. And uh, along with the, the missions team, it was uh, good to hear that they're going to be uh, coming back uh, home tomorrow. Uh, with great experiences from the mission field. So let's, let's continue to, to pray for them. Uh, my name is, uh, Lloyd. I'm one of the elders at, at High Point Church. Um, earlier, you had, during the offertory, you had Adam, Adam Darbon come up and talk a little bit about, um, the offertory prayer. But you should know, uh, uh, uh that Adam has accepted, um, uh, a mission to Trinity International University. He, he'll be starting in the fall. Won't you give him a round of applause? Adam, please stand. Adam has been serving faithfully here at High Point for a year, working with the interns, helping to get the intern program going, and uh, we're hoping that we can replace him. Uh, but but we want him to know how much we appreciate his ministry here. Thanks so much, Adam. Um, this morning we are going to uh, kind of continue with uh, what we've been talking about. What to uh, sexual uh, immorality Uh, so so uh, i will not be graphic when i talk about singleness and and marriage and purity so uh, so there won't be any any i won't go too far but but that is the subject matter for uh this morning and i think it'll be very appropriate for for certainly for teens and above Um, below that um, i'll just kind of let you you judge that all right all right Uh, we're going to start by reading first Corinthians chapter 7 we'll read verses 1 through 9 your pew Bibles if you'd like to read along with us first Corinthians chapter 7 verses 1 through 9 now for the matters you wrote about it is good for a man not to marry but since there is so much immorality each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except by mutual consent. And for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control I say this as a concession not as a command I wish that all men were as I am but each man has his own gift from God one has this gift and another one has another now to the unmarried and the widows I say it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, as we have discussed earlier in this series on First Corinthians, uh, Corinth in New Testament times was, was rife with um, paganism. Um, in Corinth was this temple of Aphrodite uh, known for uh, having temple prostitution. It was a part of the worship experience that was there. And that kind of behavior in Corinth had a negative influence on the culture at large. Uh, We know that that this is true and we know that it impacted the church because in chapter 5, Paul speaks specifically about a man who had his father's wife and and what they needed to do and it, apparently the church uh didn't take any action against this blatant sin and uh, it, it was uh so paul had to give clear instruction that they should put the man out with the hopes that uh, after satan dealt with him he would re- repent and come back into the fold as a saint there are suggestions in in second corinthians that that is indeed what took place um, uh, as time went gone but then when you get to chapter 6, uh, you see that Paul makes another admonition. He tells us that our bodies uh, should not be united, um, with, uh, a saint should not be united with a, pr- a prostitute because, um, that there is a union between us and God, and there is no fellowship between light and darkness, and there is no fellowship between Jesus and Satan. And so he gives clear instruction that any kind of sexual impurity is improper uh, for the saints. And I was kind of thinking this through. I wonder, is this a message that is useful for us today? When we look at our life and times, when we look at American culture, um, ought we be on guard against sexual uh, immorality? Is that pervasive in our culture? Uh, I did just a little bit of research, and there's some statistics that would suggest that indeed, um, in terms of sexual license, that our culture is uh, uh, askew. A recent study performed by the National Center for Health Studies revealed that the average male has seven sex partners over their lifetime, and the average woman, about four. Uh, another study done by the Kinsley Institute says that the average male loses his virginity at 16.9 years of age and a a woman at 17.4 that one really startles me because I got like an 18 year old and uh, we've kind of been on guard uh, for that maybe I'll give you a suggestion on some things that we have used that we hope have some benefit. I'm looking around to see him. Oh, yeah, there he is. Okay. <laughs> that we hope, that we, I'm confident. How about that? I'm confident, have had some benefit. How about that, Jason? Um, another statistic suggests from the Center for Disease Control that in our current times, two out of every five children are born out of wedlock. It appears from the data that the culture's perspective. Uh, on sex outside of marriage, is that this is normal? Indeed, um, I even wonder if if it's even morally acceptable somehow now that there would be kind of, uh, of sex in, in college. They, they they have terms about uh, kind of hooking up, uh, friends with benefits. Uh, a whole kind of different uh challenge and perspective that that folks are dealing with in terms of of sexuality without constraint sexuality outside of of the, the will of god now as followers of jesus christ we're called to a different way and that is what paul is talking about in first corinthians chapter 7 1 through 9 a different way um, What's unique in in terms of where we are within the context of 1 Corinthians is that Paul is taking up about six issues that the church um, wrote him about specifically. And we know this because he uses this phrase now concerning, now concerning the things that that the Corinthians had written to him in a different letter. The first thing he's going to pick up is this issue of singleness in marriage. And we'll get with that in verse one. In verse 25, uh, it's a very similar kind of message. It's about whether virgins should continue to in that in their condition. Should, should, should virgins stay uh, that way? In eight and one, it's about food being sacrificed to idols. In chapter twelve, there's a whole issue of spiritual gifts and how gifts should be used in order within the local church. He picks that up in chapter twelve. In chapter 16, he's talking about uh, uh, offering, a special offering, a collection. He wants folks to set aside dollars so that they can take it, make an offering and take, carry it to Jerusalem to take care of the mother church, if you will. That's chapter 16. Also in 16 and 12, he discusses Apollos and his plans for returning. Uh, and as we turn attention to seven, chapter seven, verses one through nine, I'm going to make three primary points. Here they are. The first is that being single is good in the eyes of God. Being single is good in the eyes of God. The second one is being married is good in the eyes of God. And the third one is that sexual immorality is not to be practiced whether you are single or married. So I think that these are the three things that that Paul is trying to impress upon us uh, within this text. And um, those are the things that we're going to work on. Um in verse 1 paul says that it is good for a man not to be with a woman in fact that's kind of the question they asked him is it good for for a man to to not be married and he answers yes and then he gives some some insight a little later on as to why it is good for a person to remain single even as he has remained single i would like you to be free from concern how she can please her husband now one of the unique things or or not so unique things about both being married and single is that we all have the same mission that that's the greatest commandment is to love the lord our god with our whole heart our whole soul with our strength with our being and one of the things that impresses me so much about paul's reading uh, writings. When you read uh, like Philippi- Philippians, where he talks about "to live is Christ, and to die is gain," or when he, and later on in Philippians, where he talks about "I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering," he was focused on Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I'm concerned about in my own life and in the life of the saints today is whether or not we have that same kind of zeal and com- and drive about the things of God are we totally devoted to Jesus Christ what Paul says here in verses 32 and 34 is that a, a single person uh, doesn't have the obligations of marriage now marriage isn't a burden that really isn't the point the issue is when it, when it comes to time that a person could devote fully into ministry. Uh, It's a bit lessened when you have a husband and a wife. For instance, yesterday, my wife was kind enough to take Jared to his track meets in in, uh, a condom walk at Carroll University. She got up at 5 o'clock, and she was gone until 6 o'clock at a track meet while I was trying to get my notes prepared for the sermon, okay? Um, uh, She, had she been single she could have been fellowshipping with her friends she could have been looking in on some uh, some other ministry needs um it's just a matter of time when you when you don't have family that kind of um that you focus on you have more ability to serve god wholeheartedly it's not that being married is bad it's that just when you look at the time commitment it's different I, i hear folks who are married nodding your heads uh, and so, um, so the, the point of it is, is this. Singleness is good because you can be wholeheartedly focused on God. Uh, in the mornings and the afternoons and the evenings, I had one single person tell me that when they want to go on a missions trip, they just go. Uh, their financial situation is a lot better all else equal if, I, if me and a single are working on the same job And I've got to split my money four ways with two kids and a wife and they just have one They just have a lot more resources that they can invest both in the things of God and in others and That's a reality that that, that Paul was aware of and so in his mind and in God's mind If you are single, that's a good thing. Amen. So being single is positive, but I wonder today in our church if we are making things a bit uncomfortable for singles within the Church of God. John Acuff is a—he writes a blog, and um, he wrote an article on his blog called "Surviving Church as a Single." Now, this might not be your experience, but I thought this was rather funny. And I think we ought to be a little bit sensitive to, to, to maybe the unique experience in a church where a large percentage of the members are, are married couples. Uh, some, th- these are some of the things that they wrote in to John, singles wrote in about their experiences in the local church. Someone pays you the world's most backhanded compliment. I just don't understand how someone as great as you isn't married yet people are constantly volunteering you for things because you're single and so you've got so much free time people at the church are a little surprised when they ask you how are you doing and you respond with things are great right now i'm really enjoying my life someone quoted you in the scripture that's a verse from from genesis 218 you know the one it's not good for a man to be alone right as if for somehow or another, uh, singleness wasn't an appropriate thing to to be. You you didn't know you were supposed to be unhappy until you start going to your singles group, and it seemed to be functioning like a support group, you know, for single women. <laughs> your church has a singles ministry, okay, but it's the dreaded quad combining college students and single adults and divorce recovery and retired widows as if all singles were the same. Um, upon hearing that you went on two dates with a guy, some married folks say to you, I'll be praying that this is the one. And then, <laughs> did that ever happened to anybody? No, yeah. You know, some people say, God, I got an amen from a couple of people here. To justify giving a four-week marriage sermon series to the congregation of Pastor Nick would never do this. The pastor throws out one blanket statement like this at the beginning of the series. And you single people, pay attention. You're going to learn something from this one day. Amen? And and so uh, one of the pet peeves that I hear from singles is that um, there just uh, isn't as much preaching, and even local ministry that fits their needs. Um, and I'll share you a little story about one person I talked to just recently that suggested that that was a, a problem, not a, not a member at our church, uh, but a member of a church that I know in uh, Lake County, Illinois, that just suggested that we could be a little bit more uh, sensitive to, to singleness within, the, within our community. So the, what do I wanna say about singleness? I wanna say a couple, a couple things. It's important for us to remember that singles are not one uniform block of people. And so a 50-year-old single person who has uh, aging parents and a career uh, and is concerned that if they get laid off, they got no help for their retirement, um, that's a different concern than some than a a young just out of college single person and i think what that means to us is that we have to get to know people as they are and we've got to befriend singles see what happens with us married folks and i'll just i'll just speak to you from from my experience is we get married and um then your peer group becomes pretty much all just married folks um thankfully uh, within our small group over the last three four years I've had at least one single woman who's been a part of the group who's been able to we've been able to share into her life and she's been able to help us she's a teacher and has helped us with some things with our children Um, but what happens is you tend to get into these affinity groups that are folks just like you it's just natural but what that does is it I, I think what it does is it takes away some of the richness and the fellowship that we can have within the body of christ as, uh, by bringing people alongside of us so i think all of us one of the things we could do is just make sure that there's just a little bit more diversity uh maybe your small group if you're in a married couples only small group and i don't have any issues with that i'm not I'm not speaking against it um but maybe in some other ministry you can make sure that you take a single along invite them into your life um, let them bless you and for you to, to bless them Um, I do see among singles that it's a little harder to connect. It's just a little bit, it can be a little bit harder for them to connect within our our churches. And I think it's incumbent upon us who are married to make an extra step to pull them into the fold. So that's that's one of the first things I would say is not all singles. They're not the same. We need to come alongside them. We need to share each other's burdens within the context of the church. The other thing I think we need to recognize is that marriage is not the ultimate prize. I think sometimes we can live our lives as if our marriages were to be all and end all of life, but there is an eternal perspective. Uh, Matthew chapter uh, 12. Want to make sure it's not Mark. So let me check about Mark chapter twelve twenty five. The Sadducees asked Jesus about a woman uh, um, whose husband dies and she marries a succession of brothers. Whose spouse will she be in eternity? And Jesus corrects him and says, "You don't, you know, you don't understand." He says, "In heaven, we are all going to be like the angels. Uh, we are the bride of Christ. We worship and fellowship God." as a community i like reading in revelations when it talks about the seraphim the cherubim the 24 angels and the throngs of people who are there worshiping our god night and day holy 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 lord god almighty the whole earth is full of your glory we are going to worship as brothers and sisters in christ in this uh temporary categories of family um, and children won't have significance for eternity. So I think what, what I'm saying here is that uh, marriage is not the ultimate prize, and, and I don't think we want to, sh- to, to sell that bill of goods uh, to singles. It may be that God's calling for a single person is for them to be single their whole life one of the things that i'm seeing in in the churches is that there may not always be enough godly single people to meet the kind of marriage demand for for other singles and so in order to marry in some instances you might have to lower your standards and every time i have ever seen a a person um, kind of give in to that that temptation that they have this desire uh, to become a married they're not like Paul um, in 1st Corinthians 7 about verse 8 he talks about having the gift the gift of celibacy and I recognize that not every single has the gift of celibacy but that does not c- clear until God gives you a spouse you from the responsibility before our holy God of being pure and celibate um, that's the calling. So we recognize that there may not always be um, that right person for you at a given time. And for those folks, God is asking you to find your contentment in Him. And that's what I think that is so great that we have this extended family. That you don't you don't have to be lonely. We need to open up our arms and draw in. All of us know certain single people that are kind of in that place and they need fellowship, that's a part, that's something that we can we can offer. But God is our exceedingly great reward. He is our provider. You know, he is our all in all. God is our prize. And we look forward to that great reward in heaven. That's very important uh, that we not sell a bill of goods, that marriage is the ultimate, surprise the ultimate uh, goal as a ministry leader at our ch- at our church um, there are some things that we can do to assist in this so uh, my sister in law is, is 47 and single and um, we had an extended conversation about a week ago uh, and she she mentions that she's in a small group with 12 women uh, nine of which are married, three single. And what she really appreciates about her small group leader is though there are married women with family issues, that she does a great job of balancing out the conversation so that the singles don't feel as if they can't be supported and, and they can't be ministered to. And I want to suggest that if you are in ministry leadership, that we need to be sensitive to that. Um, One of the cool things that I saw Andy Flatmeyer's ministry is kind of shift and start having a family ministry and, and begin to embrace single parents and others into the ministry. That's the example I'm trying to suggest is that that's good especially for, for the, these times. Singles are beginning older. Uh, I think if we look at the, the data, it, it suggests that uh, if, if there isn't a change in the tide, that their marriage um, is just not as, uh, uh, as prevalent as it's been in the past. And so we, as the body of Christ, are going to have to operate more as a family. Um, I think that that's what, what God would have for us. So our ministries need to be more sensitive to that now nonetheless it's good to be single Paul says because you can focus on God and serve him with your whole heart he says because of sexual immorality in verse 2 that it is good for Saints to, to marry some of us have been called to to marriage M- marriage is a good thing what we see in chapter 2 there though is he says that each married person should devote themselves to meeting the needs of the other spouse. I wonder if in our times one of the reasons why we have such a high divorce rate is that we don't have married people that understand that godly principle, that marriage is a self-sacrificing life. I always get inspired when I read Ephesians 5, and 22 to 32, and it inspires me as a husband to be Christ-like because that immediately springs in my mind that what I really need to do is have be a self-sacrificing kind of life, that, that I live so that my wife can thrive. I live for my, for my children can thrive. And carrying that off into the church, Jesus said that he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We live so that each other can thrive. That's what the body of Christ is is about. And that's the calling. So within marriage, We have to serve each other's needs. Uh, In 1986, uh, Willard Harley, who is a Christian psychologist who had been in marriage uh, counseling for many, many years, wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs, and it really resonated with people. Not because each principle that he laid out was true for for men and women as a a rule, but because it got people talking about uh, me as a husband talking about what my wife's needs might be and uh, what I want to do is briefly go through his main principles from his practice over 3,000 married couples over many years uh, he identified five separate needs that women have Uh, affection uh i can't tell you how many times when deborah and i have done married conferences and we'll talk to spouses and and ladies will say something like i just need him to hold me you know uh women thrive in affection generally speaking conversation this one i've really found to be true um that that connection uh, you guys are giggling that the the the, the engaged couple right here keep write these down <laughs> You get your notes on this. I can see Lisa's writing. See, this is what happened. The, the ladies are always studying and the guys are like, man, I'm waiting for the ball game tonight. Isn't there? There's golf. The U.S. Open. The U.S. Open finishes today. Tiger might make a run. That's how guys are. But women want to dialogue. They want to talk about the relationship. They want they want conversation. Uh, when we first moved uh, to to Madison, uh, I worked for American Family and it was a very busy time at the office. This was 2006. And so I poured myself into this new job uh, and uh, Deborah had just l- left all of her family and friends. When we were moving, I was sensitive to Jason in uh, uh, the move and how he would relate. And we plugged him into sports, and he was fine. I, was, I wasn't so much worried about Jared because his personality at that time, he was outgoing. Jared could go into an a empty a room full of people and have friends. But I didn't think about Deborah. The kids turned out to be fine. I didn't think about the adjustment <laughs> for her. And she was lonely. And uh, I never seen this in, in all of our married life. And quite frankly, I didn't really do a good job uh, connecting. Um, I did run into some books that helped me, though. Uh, Dennis and Barbara Rainey have a book, they've got a couple of devotionals. This one's called Moments Together for Couples. So we started just doing them, they're really brief, um, one-minute reads, but we made a commitment to do one every day and uh it, all of a sudden we just started talking and connecting and over time she got uh friends within the community and that kind of loneliness of being in a new area and she got we, we started coming to high point church and she started getting active in the music ministry so so after a couple three four months things changed but but um that conversation piece i think husbands uh we don't pay attention uh, to that particular need you know it it uh can really diminish the marriage honesty and openness they want to know stuff I'm, I'm amazed at what my wife knows about me just by observation but she wants to know how I'm feeling how I'm doing uh, financial support um, I have heard it say and this is and not again these are not true in all cases that it can be a source of, of discontentment for women if they feel as if their husbands aren't doing their best in, in relation to taking care of the financial needs of the home. And I think I'll just leave it at, at that. Because it's not always true. But I have heard it uh, said, and, and I've heard uh, women in terms of counseling, married women tell me about, you know, I really need them to step it up in that area. Family commitment this is the whole no- notion of whether the husband is really involved in the parenting. Uh, And in my case, where I'm the only one working, I have to be really intentional about that. Uh, Even to this day, that's something that I need to really focus in on, being involved in my kids' lives, um, plugging into the children. So Harley says that these five, and I would challenge you men that your wife's five are going to be somewhat different. I think you should talk about it. I'll talk about that a little bit later too. From a man's perspective, the first one I don't think will come to any surprise, men and women seem to be a little wired a little differently, um, especially when people get newly married. I have heard stuff about just expectations of, with the, that guys had, that women, there seems to be a bit of struggle on some of that. But the reality of it is, is that we tend to uh, have greater needs there. Uh, recreational companionship, the idea is that they want to have some fun together. In my marriage, we like to go to the movies and stuff. Uh, attractive spouse, you know, guys are kind of eggheads, you know, we're into the physical and what they, you know, that's important that the spouse do their best to look good. Uh, domestic support um, this is the whole notion of housekeeping and such and then admiration somebody mentioned to me this is that component of respect uh, there's another good book out on marriage you should pick up called love and respect I can't remember the author's name very good read the, n- the notion here though is that men need to be respected they need to be admired that's how you build up your your husband so these are the the needs that uh, dr. Harley has has uh, Seen in his practice, uh, I want to advise you since we are in, within marriage are called to meet each other 's needs, even if I want to do that, if i don 't know what they are i 'm not going to be effective, so we want to we want to focus on meeting each other 's needs. There are a couple of things I want to say in relation to to married couples. Um, I want to say it's in Hebrews 13 where the scriptures talk about the marriage bed is undefiled. But I do think that there are some things there's a principle in the scriptures that we should apply that all things are permissible but not all things are helpful. And so if, if there's a mar- a practice that doesn't build up your spouse, I I don't think you should have it in, in uh, male or female. There's got to be an edification that goes on in that place. And I have heard of wives who are a little uncomfortable with some of the things that their spouses want to do. I'm sure it goes on the other way as well. Uh, Marriage couples should not manipulate each other. So in verse five, where Paul talks about that they should, should, should only separate for times of prayer and ministry, that those would be good, acceptable things. In fact, I knew one minister who uh, advised couples actually that they should have regular times within a year where they might take a week off because in his opinion it actually helped them with their intimacy just being away from from each other. I tried it, it seemed to work for me. Um, uh, The point here though is that a lot of times in marriage there can be fights or disputes I'm not happy with you, and then that, that turns into separation. In fact, one study says that about 12% of married people sleep in a different bed. They don't sleep in the same bed. There might be some, real, some reasons for that, but in general, their intimacy and such is hampered by that practice. So we don't want to use uh, sex as a, uh, as a negotiating And married couples I don't have to dwell on that. I think we know about that, that particular issue. So watch out for watch out for those things within marriage. Um, now, being single is is a good thing. Uh, they can focus on, on worshiping God um, with their whole heart and soul. They, they don't have the other distraction. Being married is a is a good thing. And uh, me pouring my uh, myself into my spouse, that's good. In the sight of the of the Lord, uh, but whether I'm married or single, God expects from us holiness, holiness. And um, I really think bec- a, a lot of this has to do with the media and the change in the whole notion of of. Um, uh, boys and girls, and what 's acceptable in terms of how the attraction works, and in terms of uh, uh, what 's acceptable in terms of what is what, the, what we wear, and in terms of kind of the raciness in in the commercials, whether it 's for stuff targeted for young people or for uh, or for adults uh, there 's just more of a sexual charged atmosphere right now. And so I think that it's, uh, we got to be intentional, more intentional about being sexually pure. Uh, I talked a little bit about what we did with Jason. As I was watching uh, kids whose whose children were transitioning from middle school to high school, uh, boy, I mean, just some of the things that are worn and some of the uh, things that are said some of the communication by text around being involved at early age was amazing to me being a product of the 80s it i just didn't experience as much of the temptation as jason has ever on high school i just just, it's different Uh, i think to ignore that it's different you do that at your own peril and so, because I'm a big fan of rainy stuff, what we did is we used Passport to Purity and it's a it's a system of activities where you get away with your son. Hey Jared, be looking for it. We're gonna be going in July. Jared turns thirteen Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. So you and I'll be <laughs> you and I will be going away soon. But we, I got a chance to talk to my kids about sexuality shouldn't they hear from me about what I believe about and what the scriptures teach about shouldn't they hear that from the parents and so this is a tool that we use and at the end of the tool Jason made a commitment in terms of how he would live and uh, only he knows between him and God but what we have seen as his parents is not an overcharged sexuality, not a great desire to have many dates and such. In fact, this is the only time now he's 18 where we've even seen kind of a regular floating around. And now his wife, his his mom always says to him when he goes out, keep it holy. So we're reminding him of the expectations that God has for him. Um, What I'm saying is that we cannot take holiness for granted in any aspect of our life, but within sexual purity, uh, I think particularly because of the times, that we cannot take it for granted and we've got to be vigilant about ourselves, me as a husband, turning my attention towards uh, Deborah and not other stuff, we have to be intentional about this whole notion of sexuality. The holiness of God and it really is because of who God is that he is completely other that he is the one who has created us and determines what is right and wrong for us to do Uh, and because he's the creator he has the authority to do that and because he doesn't fellowship with unholy individuals And I know all of us want to have a close relationship with the Lord as close as we can to grow in him Um, but our sins can grieve the Holy Spirit I think that's Ephesians chapter 5 our sins can grieve the Holy Spirit that might be chapter 4 God is holy the four living creatures each having six wings were full uh, of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 Lord God Almighty we've we've been interviewing these teachers at ALS and we've been real interested to as they talked about the attributes of God uh, as as an elder board we kind of believe that this is one of the preeminent attributes of God his holiness and it's it's more outstanding than his love if you're gonna know God you got to recognize that he's holy he is clean pure in in a way that we're not who was and is and is to come whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory honor power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created he is holy and because of the Holy Spirit he has invested in us we are holy he who has called us as holy so we match we are called to match his holiness that comes out of leviticus that last part of the verse verse 15 just just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do comes out of leviticus 11 44 45 so we are called to to holiness and I, I, what I want to say is that we can't afford to lose sight of this high calling that we're to walk worthy that we're to pursue righteousness I like the way Paul says it in Colossians 3 and it's really been been stirring in my spirit as I prepare for this sermon how I'm supposed to take off all manner of sin and that it's important in God's eyes that to be close and connected to him means that I have to be distant from sin. That's a prerequisite. That's, that's what we do as Christians. That's a part of our fabric. That's a part of our identity, holiness. And I think that in our times now, we need to reengage on that point. I think the pressure is up on us not to be holy, to give in to the world's perspectives on a whole range of different things. Not just sexuality, but but other things in our business practices. What's right versus wrong? And a little sin here, a little compromise—that's not Christ. And so we just need to come along, each side each other, encourage each other, pray with each other, so that we can be holy. The scriptures talk about in Matthew chapter four, where the where the the the, um, the beatitudes are. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's where you and I are headed. That's our calling in Jesus Christ. Won't you bow your heads? Lord, um, we live in a time when holiness might be a bad word and uh, that we're seen as out of touch with the times and we're seen as uh, prudes and people are apt to make fun of us to think of us as extremists but god that's not how you see it at all for you holiness is like being light on a hill for you holiness is a part of just who we are as christians in the world um, so, Father, I pray that as we have talked about the goodness of being single and the goodness of being married, uh, Lord, that we will, we will recognize that you're with us, that your spirit is with us to guide, to guide us and to strengthen us, and that even in our times, we can be, can live, can walk wholly in you as we are called to be. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us online on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or otherwise share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways that we have to reach new listeners. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.